Remarkable accomplishments are happening every day on the Colorado Mesa University and Western Colorado Community College campuses, from faculty instruction and research to student projects and community involvement. CMU Now is a monthly segment of the KAFM Community Affairs Hour, where we interview faculty, staff, athletic coaches, and students to keep you up to date on all things CMU and WCCC. I'm Caitlin Birdsall, along with my co-host David Ludlam, and we'll have two guests on the show today. Our first guest is Assistant Professor of Biology, Dr. Danita Weeks. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Great. Thanks for joining us. And I have to say I'm excited. It's my first show back after being out on maternity leave for three months. So let's get it kicked off and going. It is good to have you back, Caitlin. Thank you. Um, So the biology discipline is vast and there's a lot of areas of study um, and research is numerous and there's so many different areas and paths you could go down and choose. And I find it interesting that you've chosen to devote your time and energy to studying and researching amphibians. Um, So what was it about amphibians that made you just decide to pursue them professionally? Um, I think it goes all the way back to my childhood. Um, When I was a kid, we would go out, we would go fishing, we would go playing in creeks together. And um, I had a fascination with amphibians in particular. I liked to catch them, identify them, um, and then, of course, release them back. Mm-hmm. And um, I, since I was young, I had that fascination. And then I started hearing about this fungus that was hurting amphibians. It's a fungus that you find all over the world. And I wanted to study this fungus. I wanted to be a scientist. And so I ended up just kind of going down that path. I was going to say, I love that because, you know, when – you know, you've got kiddos, they want to be doctors or astronauts or scientists. And I love that you actually pursued that passion from a time when you were a young child all the way to now. And you're actually helping to make a difference for these amphibians and fighting the good fight against their fungus. Yeah. Learning to love the amphibians as a kid, a sparked a memory that I have, which is um, some of my best times as a kid were on the Grand Mesa here locally. I remember going up there and, and catching salamanders and but I, I took my own kids up there a while back looking for them just to kind of re- relive that. And I, I, maybe it's just anecdotal, but it didn't seem like there were as many. Is, how are the amphibian populations doing on the Grand Mesa? And, and I know you're working up there and doing some research that's relevant to that area. Could you talk to a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so I was interested in a particular species that's up there. It's a locally endangered um, toad. It's a high elevation toad, so it lives up in the Grand Mesa and other high elevation places in Colorado. And it's not doing so well because of the fungus that I study. So this fungus that I study um, infects the skin of the amphibians. And some populations and some species are not doing very well. So the um, boreal toad is one of them. Does and it affect all amphibians or, it or just does. the toads? It affects, um, it, it affects uh, salamanders, frogs, toads, and also one that people don't usually hear about, Sicilians. They're more of an underground amphibian. So, yeah, oh, okay. it does. Okay. And it has, um, it can affect the salamanders and the toads up there in the mesa. Some of them can live with this um, infection and it doesn't cause much harm, but some of them experience some disease symptoms. Great. Well, you are listening to CMU Now on KAFM Community Affairs. And our first guest today is Assistant Professor of Biology, Dr. Danita Weeks. Um, so, your research is conducted kind of throughout the Grand Valley. I know we're focusing on the Grand Mesa, but you also, you know, have in the Alpine areas, Plateau, and Canyon areas of your region. Um, and I know most of us enjoy access to these lands, whether we're hiking, skiing, biking, hunting, fishing. And when we're out there, I know it's probably just a non scientist. I'm not thinking about boreal toads or fungus or, you know, how that's affecting these areas that I'm recreating in. Mm-hmm. But I know we talk a lot about that CMU and WCCC faculty 
your expertise and your research really has implications for the larger community. So could you kind of talk to us a little bit about how your research may impact those lands, those areas, and all of us that enjoy getting to use those? Yeah, of course. Um, Amphibians are, they're extremely sensitive. They have um, a type of skin that's very different from ours. It can absorb water and electrolytes, and it's instrumental to them being able to function properly. And so when they experience um, any kind of um, negative impacts from their environment, we might start to see them die off. And so they are an indicator of environmental health for us. So that's one major reason that they're important to conserve. But also, if you think about the Grand Mesa and all of us who recreate up there, we know that mosquitoes are a huge problem. And uh, amphibians do a pretty big, pretty big job in helping us take care of those. Mm. So. so I think what you might be saying is that if you care about uh, elk or deer or mule deer, these larger mammalian species that people can relate to more easily, mm-hmm. there is a connection there between between those those game species maybe and and what you said was an, an indicator species of mm-hmm. the ec- ecological health of the area. That connection is real. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, um, you mentioned earlier that you came to love amphibians uh, as a child, but I think that's probably not the only way you can come to love them because your students are learning uh, to appreciate these species in, in real time. Could you talk about maybe the student experience in your work on the Grand Mesa and in other places? What does that look like? And and have you have you observed students coming to love amphibians and reptiles along that journey? maybe later in life here as their students? Yes, I have. Um, I study a microbiological component, so I'm looking at that fungus on the skin. And so students really want to get involved because um, they're learning a lot of techniques, lab techniques that will help them. Maybe they want to go into a medical field. But as they start to research and be out in the field and um, they interact with these amphibians, they do start to fall in love with them. I've had a, a few students who have they're okay with amphibians, but once we get out in the field and they get to actually see the different kinds and experience um, that interaction and holding them, their whole outlook changes. If you're if you're not familiar with these species intimately, is there like a, a difference between amphibians and reptiles in terms of their their personality and how people kind of come to be affectionate for them or, or fall in love with one or the other? Or how does that play out when you're kind of choosing your path as a scientist? Um, I mean, I think some people have uh, some reservations about snakes <laughs> because it's the way that they move. But there are a lot of fundamental differences between reptiles and amphibians. Um, when you're out hiking on a trail and you see a lizard, um, they're going to be away from water typically. And they're, they're going to be a little bit harder to catch. Um, and sometimes if you catch them and they don't want to be caught, they'll turn around and try to nibble your finger. But with frogs, you know, they, they're pretty um, docile and they're pretty easy to catch, and they're great for kids to play with and kind of make that connection with nature. Yeah, that is interesting to think about. Yeah. You jump when you see a snake, but you see a toad, and you instantly want to pick it up. Yeah. 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 yeah, or a frog, and you're like, oh, that's right, cute. cute. Yeah. <laughs> snake, you're like, ah, yeah. get out of here. <laughs> well, you are listening to CMU Now on KAFM Community Affairs, and our first guest today is Assistant Professor of Biology, Dr. Danita Weeks. Um, so I don't know how many of our listeners, you know, are very involved in the amphibian world, um, especially with boreal toads and the fungus that you were talking about earlier. But if there was maybe one thing you would want our listeners to take away from the conversation today, what would that be? Um, is that they can all take a part in helping us with the conservation of these species. There are a lot of different things now that um, citizen scientists can do to help scientists learn where these amphibians are. So one of the limitations we have Um, with the canyons around in the valley is that we don't know a lot about the diversity of the amphibians that live there. So that's something that I'm working on. But people are always recreating in these areas or up on the mesa. 
And there is an app called iNaturalist, which actually allows people to, it's a free app on their phone. They can take a photo of this amphibian or reptile, and it'll help them to identify it. And then it gives a marker location so that scientists can use that to help determine where these sensitive species are and how to help them. That's really cool. It is really cool. I'll have to download that and try it out because I'm up there quite a bit. Yeah. yeah, it's a pretty pretty cool app. Okay, well, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. What is your favorite amphibian and why? Um, it changes um, every year, but right now I would say the boreal toads. I think the boreal toads are my favorite because I've been working with them. They're locally endangered, and they're becoming um, something that I feel I can have a huge impact on helping, and they're, they're just pretty adorable. So, <laughs> Weren't you saying that you actually have some boreal toads that you kind of consider pets and, and that, they're, <laughs> they're, that you play with and tell um, us about that. I don't, I don't play with them as much. Uh, I, I do leave them in the tank. You hold them sometimes. Yes. Yeah. I, well, I do, you know, to show people, to kind of educate them um, um, if they haven't seen one before because they are locally endangered, so you're not going to see them very often. But um, there was a recent case where um, a local agency had uh, – about a hundred of these toads that were infected with this fungus and so they were brought to CMU and they were um, we gave them some antifungal baths and we released most of them back into the wild but there were a couple of them that had some maybe spinal deformities or a couple of things that maybe they wouldn't survive well in the wild so I um, asked if I could keep them for educational reasons and so that's why I have them at my house and I've used them at the Eureka Math and Science Center and uh, so they've been used for education. So Caitlin will let the record reflect they're not pets, they're for <laughs> no. educational purposes, but they're super cute. Yes, okay. exactly. Yeah, there we go, clarifying that. Um, so could you talk a little bit more about your research? So I know when we were talking previously, you know, you've been studying this fungus that's affecting these toads um, kind of across the spectrum, but that you've really made improvements and been able to help, and like you just mentioned, release some of these toads back into the wild. So can you talk to us just a little bit more about kind of the steps to get to where you've been able to release these toads back into the wild? Yeah, so... Um, the, some of the research that I did this past summer involving a student, for example, there is one population of boreal toads left on the mesa that we know is a breeding population. And um, local agencies are trying to monitor that population, so we got to help with that, including a CMU student that was involved in that research. And we were able to um, find when they had their, um, their breeding season, we were able to collect some of those tadpoles, which are the young of the toads, and help raise them up in a hatchery and then translocate them or move them to a new location to try to help reestablish them in a place where they were before. And so we did that this past summer and we're going to continue monitoring them over the years. And so by monitoring them, we go up there and we check for their presence. And we also, you can use a little cotton swab and you swab their skin to get um, an idea of if they're carrying this fungus. We bring those swabs back to the lab and then we can analyze them to see if they're carrying the fungus. You know, one of the things Caitlin and I were talking about earlier is that it's really, a lot of times people think about academics or, or the university as this sort of, this abstract science that's going on in somewhere else. But the fact that the work that you're doing is, a, is really relevant to the community, it's relevant to treasures that the community values, and it's integrating students um, on the ground to actually do a pl kind of applied research in the field is really cool. And I'm glad that the listeners get to hear a little bit about that, you know, and, and the tangible impacts of your research and what it's doing to help our environment and community. Yeah, that's insane. Thank you so much for joining us today. And we really appreciate you coming on and letting the KFM listeners hear about your amphibian research and what's to come. Thank you for having me. Welcome back to CMU Now, a monthly show where we talk about the remarkable work happening at Colorado Mesa University and Western Colorado Community College. We'd like to welcome our second guest today, Collegiate Representative for CMU Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Jamie Robertson. Welcome to the show. 
Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome. And and I know that uh, you are a staff member for a very active club on campus. I'm not sure if it's it's the largest, but it's probably one of, of the largest. And could, could you tell the listeners a little bit about what your club is and maybe what makes it unique and maybe why you do have such broad participation across campus? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes is actually an international organization, and we do have a strong presence um, in the Western um, Colorado area in the high schools and middle schools too. But myself and my husband and another staff um, guy, we are all primarily focused in, on serving the campus of CMU. Um, we specifically minister um, to the varsity athletic teams on campus, and that's kind of our primary mission is really um, you know, serving those students well. But what's been really, really fun about um, our club and just how things have been going is that we also have a lot of former athletes. We have a lot of high school athletes, um, former high school athletes. We have a lot of club athletes, um, kids that like to hike and be outdoors. So we really have a diverse population. And I know that word athlete in our title is kind of um, makes it a little exclusive, but we really have a, a cool group of kids that just like to get together and be active and um, have connected well with one another. And a, a husband and wife team, that's a, that's a bold move. We're working together. <laughs> Not everyone can pull that off. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You know, we're in the learning stages for sure with that. Yeah. <laughs> we all are, yeah. <laughs> well, you are listening to CMU Now on KAFM Community Affairs, and our second guest today is Collegiate Representative for CMU Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Jamie Robertson. Um, so you yourself are a former athlete as well as a person of faith. And I was hoping you could maybe tell us a little bit more about your journey, both to CMU, to faith, and kind of the nexus of how being an athlete impacted all of that. Absolutely. So um, I grew up here in Grand Junction and played for the Tigers. And um, I went over to um, Northern Colorado and Greeley and um, played basketball over there. And um, had a really awesome four years, made some of my best friends, but um, my experience on the court um, was not necessarily what I expected. I had um, some back-to-back season-ending injuries and went through multiple surgeries. And, you know, you go into college thinking um, you're going to achieve all these things. And then, um, you know, when that reality was kind of taken away, I was just kind of looking for something that felt like it couldn't be taken away in that sense. Like I really was searching for you know, this doesn't last. And obviously school doesn't last. And, um, you know, relationships are always fragile. Like what is something that's going to last? And I found, um, my faith there through the influence of my teammates. And that really, um, provided a stable foundation for me, um, which I'm super, super grateful for. So ended up coming back to Grand Junction after I graduated from UNC and, um, attended CMU to get my teaching license. So did that for a couple of years and, um, met my husband, as I was getting my teaching license and, um, now getting to work with the student athletes every single day. Um, it's just a really powerful connection for them to help remind them that, Hey, your performance on the field or the court or whatever, that is not what defines you or, or who all that you are, you know, um, our society loves athletics and it's super fun, but that can tend to build a lot of pressure to students. And then as we all know, like March comes and COVID comes and, and then their whole identity is taken away. And so we really have just um, been grateful to be able to walk alongside these student athletes and really remind them that they're super loved regardless of if they even can compete or not. And I, I feel like that fits into also just CMU in general, where, you know, I constantly hear President Foster and leadership talking about that they are student athletes, that they're students first 
an athlete second that, you know, we're thankful to have these students here with their athletic abilities. And of course, we love all of our different sports. I mean, we have 28 varsity <laughs> teams now, so we obviously put a lot of uh, weight in that, but that they are students first and that we want to make sure that we're giving them the education that they need for once they have graduated and they are no longer playing sports. So that seems like it ties really closely to what yeah, that's a, does. that's a really good point. I mean, this idea that you're you, you're using spirituality to kind of mirror what the institution is doing from a value standpoint. That's, mm-hmm. that's interesting. You, you mentioned earlier this idea of the fragility of, of relationships. And um, in some ways, as a, as a club, though, I imagine you're you're helping teach students how to form relationship with each other, the community, um, and, and with the, the sport that they play. Like you mentioned, we live in a society that deifies athletes, and you're trying to tell them that that's not the end game. Mm-hmm. Um, but how, how does that work like that? How do, how do you teach students to form healthy relationships or, or uh, with the community and each other and their sport? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of what we're trying to encourage students in is first and foremost that the world doesn't revolve around them um, or their performance or anything like that. Um, you know, they have, um, especially in the faith world, like we're working, like we get to extend um, God's love to our community and our the people around us, and that looks like serving them or um, just being super forgiving or, um, you know, really just having a ton of grace for the people around us. And that um, we think that carries over into their relationships as they go out into um, their post-college years. Like they're going to go be married someday. Like we want them to be good husbands and wives and, and community members and business leaders and all of those sorts of things. Well, you are listening to CMU Now on KAFM Community Affairs, and our second guest today is Collegiate Representative for CMU Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Jamie Robertson. So I think beyond FCA, what do you see as the value of campus student life organizations and clubs, whether they're faith-based or otherwise? And I kind of ask this, especially with the pandemic, and I know that I think a lot of people, including our students, are struggling to find connections and way to still connect with people. And I think that student life clubs and organizations play a large role in that, but I'd like to hear kind of your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so critical, and I love um, how CMU has placed such an emphasis just on the importance of student life, um, and everywhere from the moment students walk on campus in the, in res life with the dorms, like there's such a emphasis on community. So we um, have many students who are involved in a lot of different groups across campus, and we just see that really rounding them out as individuals and helping um, kind of pull out different giftings and talents that they have, um, especially, you know, beyond athletics. We have athletes who are a part of, you know, art club, and it's just so cool to see them bring out these different sides that normally they don't get to um, show off. Do you, uh, do you know anything about the CMU Center for Reflection? Have you heard about the project? We, yeah, we have a couple of our students sat in on the planning or the you know planning sessions for, it, and they're really excited about it. Okay, well, you know, for for the listeners, uh, we have this new project on campus, and um, it's a center for reflection. It's a interfaith facility, non denominational, and people can come there to meditate and reflect and pray and whatever else they might need. Um, what what do, when you had your students involved in that that session? What was their reaction, and did they see a need for a facility like this? And that, that could serve people of all different races, ethnicities, creeds, religious dispositions. And is that going to be a benefit to your club? Yeah. I mean, I think our students came away really feeling like just grateful that the university recognizes that people, a lot of people do well with some sort of spirituality um, in their life, whatever that looks like. And just, um, you know, having somewhere to go on campus that is a reflection of that 
is really, really important for them. And, and our students um, came away just excited that um, there would be a space for people to feel like they could step away from the pressures of academics or a hard dorm situation, and they could really just, um, you know, take time to to reflect, as as the name um, mentioned. Implies, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that'll be what are we opening here in January, February? Yeah, it's coming up pretty. It's quick. Coming up yeah, pretty quick. Yeah, I'm yeah. excited to see that. And what happens from there? There on out. Um, so I know before we got on the show here today, we were talking more about kind of FCA and your involvement in the community and all these different projects that you all work on. I know one of the most recent ones was Adopt a Family, where, you know, I know even the marketing office, we adopted a family and it was yeah. really fun. We got to go out and go shopping for them, wrap all the presents. And that's just one way that you all are out and serving the community. Can you talk a little bit more about other ways that FCA and the students kind of lead that charge in serving our community? Yeah, absolutely. So Adopt-A-Family was a great privilege to be a part of and just see those families um, be blessed during the holiday season. And um, one of our uh, student leaders, his mom actually runs a wellness wagon out at Central High School. And so a lot of our students go out. Um, they do a couple times a month, especially during the holiday season, but they get um, like this last load, they had 33,000 pounds of food get delivered. Um, and our students are the ones that are helping unload the boxes and hand out the food to the families. So that's something we always look forward to. Um, during the holiday season, we also pack shoe boxes that get sent all around the world, actually, um, just with little toys and gifts for um, kids that normally don't get, you know, a holiday um, season. And um, we generally try to make it to Homeward Bound a couple of times a semester as well to hand out food. So we just really love getting our students involved in the community. Again, it's kind of that same message of, um, it's not about us all the time. How can we be serving other people and um, extending love to them? Especially, again, it's a hard time. So there's a lot of need for that these days. Sometimes you think about universities and one of the uh, criticisms may be levied at any university, any town, is that you know, students come for four years and then they maybe go somewhere else or go back home. And I wonder, have you observed as you provide a pathway to, to the advocacy or to service to the community that that engagement that students in your club have with the community encourages them perhaps to stay or to make relationship and home, you know, in the Grand Valley beyond their tenure as students at CMU. Have you observed that? Yeah. I mean, so this is, um, Nate, my husband, it's his third year, um, doing ministry. So we've only had three groups of seniors leave that we've really known super well so far, but we've had quite a few front range kids stay over here and get involved in the local businesses and, um, you know, continue to serve the community in various ways, or, you know, they go back home and this is just a part of their life is getting involved in their community. And so that practice of just, um, serving others and being involved with a faith community is something we always, um, that they're doing no matter where they are. I Wherever guess. They end yeah. Up, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, I think that's all I've got for today with Jamie. Do you have anything else, David? No, just that I think, you know, the campus clubs are such an important part of, of students developing and becoming um, whole. And I'm glad that you're doing the good work you're doing both on campus and in the community. And I appreciate you being here today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. So thank you again. This was our collegiate representative for CMU Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Jamie Robertson. And David, before we go today, I did want to mention to the KFM listeners about two upcoming virtual performances from our performing arts um, department. So there is going to be the Jones Cabaret series. It's called Present Songs for a Better Day, which... I think is very applicable given <laughs> given yes, the circumstances. Um, and it will feature music faculty, Mesa Out Loud, and music theater students. And it is available for streaming now through the 20th of December. 
And then we also have our annual holiday concert um, featuring musicians from throughout the music department, and it is available via streaming starting December 11th. And if people are interested, they can purchase tickets at coloradomesa.edu slash tickets. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because it is, it's been great to see our performing arts folks um, extending into the community using new technologies. I know they were able to um, get into classrooms and mm-hmm. provide um, arts and humanities to elementary schools throughout this last semester yeah. to students that otherwise wouldn't have gotten that. So it's great to see that they're still managing to find ways to get art out into the community. It's great. Yeah, that there can be good things coming out of this kind yeah. of crazy, not so wonderful <laughs> year yeah. of 2020. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> great. Well, this segment airs on the second Tuesday of each month on KAFM Community Radio. You can also listen to a podcast of today's show at kfmradio.org. I'm your host, Caitlin Birdsall, along with my co-host, David Ludlam, and we'll be back next month for another edition of CMU Now on the Community Affairs Hour.